Good evening. Welcome to Voice in the Wilderness. I'm Don Noble of Pure Heart Ministries, and I welcome you today with exceedingly, abundantly, and overflowing joy. Tomorrow is 4th of July. So tonight's message is the Great Celebration. And I'm actually going to be sharing an article written by Bill Federer. I, I uh, talked about Bill a couple weeks ago. He's a great Christian historian, and this man gets facts that nobody has. So I'm excited to share with you what he has to say about this great day called 4th of July, because the Declaration of Independence was signed that day. So here we go. And he starts. That the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in the world's history was the American Revolution, says Ronald Reagan. 38-year-old King George III ruled the largest empire that planet Earth had ever seen at that time. The Declaration of Independence, signed July 4, 1776, listed 27 reasons why Americans declared their independence from the king. And so I'm going to read those. The king, George III, has made judges dependent on his will alone. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our Constitution for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefit of trial by jury, for establishing an arbitrary government, for altering fundamentally the forms of our governments. George III has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny. He has excited domestic insurrections among, amongst us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers the merciless Indian savages whose known rule of warfare is an undistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. 33-year-old Thomas Jefferson's original rough draft of the Declaration contained a line condemning slavery, as the King of England was part owner of the Royal African Company. And he says, He has waged cruel war against human nature itself, and in the persons of a distant people who never offended him, captivating and carrying them into slavery in another hemisphere, or to incur miserable death in their transportation thither, suppressing every legislative attempt to prohibit or to restrain this execrable commerce, determining to keep open a market where men should be bought and sold. Unfortunately, a few delegates from southern states objected to this line. Since everyone was in a panic 
as the British were invading New York and the city was in flames, and since the Declaration needed to pass unanimously, the line in Jefferson's original draft condemning slavery was tragically set aside. John Hancock, the 39-year-old president of the Continental Congress, signed the Declaration first, reportedly saying, The price on my head has just doubled. Next to sign was Secretary Charles Thompson, age 47. 70-year-old Benjamin Franklin said, We must hang together, or most assuredly, we shall hang separately. The Declaration referred to God, said the laws of nature and of nature's God, and it said all men are created equal, but they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, and for the support of this declaration with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. This was revolutionary, as kings did not believe everyone was created equal. Oh, they believed that they were created extra special. Their belief was called the divine right of kings, namely that the Creator gave rights to the king and dispensed them, and he dispensed them at his discretion to whoever he wished. The Declaration of Independence bypassed the king, declaring that the Creator gives rights directly to each individual person. Many of the 56 signers sacrificed their prosperity for their posterity. And a couple weeks ago, I talked about that word posterity, which means future generations. So these 60, 56 men sacrificed their prosperity, their livelihood, their futures for future generations. And that's you and I. Of the signers... Eleven had their homes destroyed, five were hunted and captured, seventeen served in the military, and nine died during the war. Twenty-seven-year-old George Walton signed and at the Battle of Savannah was wounded and captured. Signers Edward Rutledge, age 27, Thomas Hayward, Jr., age 30, and Arthur Middleton, age 34, were made prisoners at the Siege of Charleston. 38-year-old signer Thomas Nelson had his home used as British headquarters during the siege of Yorktown. Nelson reportedly offered five guineas to the first man to hit his house. Signer Carter Braxton, age 40, lost his fortune during the war. 42-year-old signer Thomas McKean wrote that he was hunted like a fox by the enemy, compelled to remove my family five times in three months. 46-year-old Richard Stockton signed and was dragged from his bed at night and jailed. 50-year-old signer Lewis Morris had his home taken and used as a barracks. 50-year-old signer Abraham Clark had two sons tortured and imprisoned on the British starving ship Jersey. More Americans died on British starving ships than died in battle during the Revolution. That is hard to believe. 53-year-old signer Reverend John Witherspoon had his son James 
killed in the Battle of Germantown. 60-year-old signer Philip Livingston lost several properties to British occupation and died before the war ended. 63-year-old signer Francis Lewis found out that the British plundered his home and carried away his wife Elizabeth, putting her in prison. The British wanted to make an example of her, so they denied her a change of clothes, a bed, and gave her nothing but the most meager food. She was treated so harshly that she died shortly after being released. 65-year-old signer John Hart had his home looted and had to remain in hiding, dying before the war ended. 41-year-old John Adams wrote to his wife Abigail of the Declaration and said this. He said, I'm apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival. It ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other from this time forward forevermore. Gustav de Maumont, a contemporary of Alexis de Tocqueville, wrote in 1835, he said, I've, I have seen a meeting of the Senate in Washington open with a prayer. And the anniversary festival of the Declaration of Independence consists in the United States of an entirely religious ceremony. John Adams continued in his letter to his wife, Abigail, and said, you will think me transported with enthusiasm, but I am not. I am well aware of the toil and blood and treasure that it will cost us to maintain this declaration and support and defend these states. Yet, through all the gloom, I can see rays of ravishing light and glory. I can see that the end is more than worth all the means and that posterity will triumph in that day's transaction, even although we should rue it, which I trust in God, we shall not. When 54-year-old Samuel Adams signed the declaration, he said, We have this day restored the sovereign to whom all men ought to be obedient, he reigns in heaven, and from the rising to the setting of the sun, let his kingdom come. 34-year-old James Wilson signed the Declaration. He later signed the Constitution and was appointed to Supreme Court by George Washington. James Wilson stated in 1787, he said after a period of 6,000 years since creation, the United States exhibit to the world the first instance of a nation assembling voluntarily and deciding that system of government under which they and their posterity should live. Senator Daniel Webster stated in 1802, he said, Miracles do not cluster, and what has happened once 
in 6,000 years may not happen again. Hold on to the Constitution, for if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. I want to stop right there because truer words were never spoken. We have a regime in Washington. We have a regime in the White House. They are determined to destroy the Constitution. The DOJ, the FBI, the CIA, they are these people are determined to destroy our Constitution. And look what he says. He said, hold on to it. He said, because if the American Constitution should fail, there will be anarchy throughout the world. Hello, people, get a grip. John Jay was president of the Continental Congress, 1778 through 1779, and later nominated by George Washington to be the first chief justice of the Supreme Court. John Jay wrote this in 1777. He said, The Americans are the first people whom heaven has favored with an opportunity of choosing the forms of government under which they should live. All other constitutions have derived their existence from violence or accidental circumstances. He said, Your lives, your liberties, your property will be at the disposal only of your creator and yourselves. Yale President Ezra Stiles, 1788, said this. He said, all forms of civil civil polity have been tried by mankind except one. And that seems to have been reserved in Providence to be realized in America. At the time of the Revolutionary War, nearly every other country on earth was ruled by a king. Dr. Pat Robertson wrote in America's Dates with Destiny, 1986. He said, on September 17, 1787, the day our Constitution was signed, the absolute monarch, Qin Long, emperor of the Manchu dynasty, reigned supreme over the people of China. Revolts were put down by ruthless military force. In Japan, the shogun warriors of the corrupt Tokugawa chamberlain, Tanuma Atsikutsu, exercised corrupt and totalitarian authority over the Japanese. In India, Warren Hastings, the British governor of Bengal, had successfully defeated the influence of the fragmented Mughal dynasties that ruled India since 1600. Catherine II was the enlightened despot of all the Russias. Joseph II was the emperor of Austria, Bohemia, and Hungary. For almost half a century, Frederick the Great had ruled Prussia. And Louis XVI sat uneasily on his throne in France just years away from revolution, a bloody experiment in democracy and the new tyranny of Napoleon Bonaparte. A kind of constitutional government had been created in the Netherlands in 1579 by the Protestant Union of Utrecht, but that constitution was really a loose federation of the northern provinces provinces for a defense against Catholic Spain. What was happening in America had no real precedent, even as far back as the city-states 
of Greece. The only real precedent was established thousands of years before by the tribes of Israel in the covenant with God and with each other. Ooh, isn't that a good piece of information? President Roosevelt, Theodore Roosevelt, stated in 1903, he said, in no other place and at no other time has the experiment of government of the people, by the people, for the people, been tried on so vast a scale as here in our own country. And I say amen. President Calvin Coolidge stated in 1924, the history of government on this earth has been almost entirely rule of force held in the hands of a few. Under our Constitution, America committed itself to power in the hands of the people. And I might say that that doesn't seem to be the case today in in this land under the regime that is ruling in the White House. A king has subjects who are subjected to his will. The word citizen is Greek, and it means a co-ruler, a co-regent, a co-king. America's founders, for all their faults, gave a present to all future citizens, namely, each person gets to be king of their own life, and all citizens together are the co-kings of the country. So we did receive a present. We received an incredible present, but it is being ripped to shreds as we speak. A republic where the people are king, ruling through representatives. America is a republic where we, the people, get to rule ourselves. I wish that were so. I wish that were so. When someone protests the flag, what are they effectively saying is that they no longer want to be king. They want someone else to rule their life. President Ford stated in Rock Hill, South Carolina, October 19, 1974, he said, what they don't tell us when they propose all these benefits that they are going to give you from our government? Is that a government big enough to give us everything we want? Is a government big enough to take from us everything we have? Oh my goodness. Let me repeat that so you hear it again. President Ford said this in 1974. He said, a government big enough to give us everything we want is a government big enough to take from us everything we have. Ronald Reagan opened the Ashbrook Center in Ashland, Ohio, May 9, 1983. He said this, From their own harsh experience with intrusive, overbearing government, the Founding Fathers made a great breakthrough in political understanding. They understood that it is the excesses of government, the will to power of one man over another, that has been a principal source of injustice and human suffering through the ages. 
Reagan continued. The Founding Fathers understood that only by making government the servant, not the master, only by positing sovereignty in the people and not the state, can we hope to protect freedom. In 1776, the source of government excess was the crown's abuse of power and its attempt to suffocate the colonists with its overbearing demands. In our own day, the danger of too much state power has taken a subtler but no less dangerous form. True words. John John Adams wrote in his notes on a dissertation on canon and feudal law in 1765. That's a long time ago, folks. He said, I always consider the settlement of America as the opening of a grand scheme and design in Providence for the emancipation of of the slavish part of mankind all over the earth. Do you understand what he's saying there? He's saying that he saw that having America become America was just the beginning of freeing people all over the world. In other words, we're the city on the hill. We, we are the one who has brought freedom and life to other nations. John Jay Noted in 1777, he said, This glorious revolution, distinguished by so many marks of the divine favor and interposition, and I may say miraculous, that when future ages shall read its history, they will be tempted to consider a great part of it as fabulous. The many remarkable events by which our wants have been supplied and our enemies repelled are such strong and striking proofs of the interposition of heaven that our having been hitherto delivered from the threatened bondage of Britain ought, like the emancipation of the Jews from Egyptian servitude. Franklin Roosevelt stated in 1939, he said, rulers increase their power over the common men. The seamen they sent to find gold found instead the way of escape for the common man from those rulers. What they found over the western horizon was not the silk and jewels of Cathay, but mankind's second chance, a chance to create a new world after he had almost spoiled an old one. The Almighty seems purposely to have withheld that second chance until the time when men would most need and appreciate liberty. Ronald Reagan stated in 1961, in this country of ours took place the greatest revolution that has ever taken place in the world history, in the world's history. Every other revolution simply exchanged one set of rulers for another. Here, For the first time in all the thousands of years of man's relation to man, the Founding Fathers established the idea that you and I had within ourselves the God-given right and ability to determine our own destiny.
Donald Trump stated July 3rd, 2020, Each of you lives in the most magnificent country in the world, in the history of the world. Our founders launched not only a revolution in government, but a revolution in the pursuit of justice, equality, liberty, and prosperity. No nation has done more to advance the human condition than the United States of America. And no people have done more to promote human progress than the citizens of our great nation. It was all made possible by the courage of 56 patriots who gathered in Philadelphia 244 years ago, and now today would be 247 years ago, and signed the Declaration of Independence. They enshrined a divine truth that changed the world forever when they said, all men are created equal. Our founders boldly declared that we are all endowed with the same divine rights given to us by our Creator in heaven. And that which God has given us, we will allow no one ever to take away, ever. He continued, And yet, there is a growing danger that threatens every blessing our ancestors fought so hard for, struggled, they bled to secure. Our nation is witnessing a merciless campaign to wipe out our history, defame our heroes, erase our values, and indoctrinate our children. Angry mobs are trying to tear down statues of our founders, deface our most sacred memorials, and unleash a wave of violent crime in our cities. Many of these people have no idea why they are doing this, but some, some know exactly what they are doing. One of their political weapons is cancel culture, driving people from their jobs, shaming dissenters, and demanding total submission from anyone who disagrees. This is the very definition of totalitarianism, and it is completely alien completely alien to our culture and our values, and it absolutely has no place in the United States of America. And he said, we will expose this dangerous movement, protect our nation's children, end this racial, radical assault, and preserve our beloved American way of life. In our schools, our newsrooms, even our corporate bedrooms, there is a new far-left fascism that demands absolute allegiance. If you don't speak its language, perform its rituals, recite its mantras, and follow its commandments, then you will be censored, banished, blacklisted, persecuted, and punished. Make no mistake, this left-wing cultural revolution is designed to overthrow the American Revolution. And so I will, I will just conclude here because his comments went on and on and on. Wonderful comments. And um, so we want to preserve our, our nation. Ladies and gentlemen, we must get on our knees and pray. We have one chance, one more chance and that's coming up in November of 2024. But don't wait till November of 2024. Start praying 
now. Well, happy 4th of July. Enjoy your day. Be safe. Love your family. This is Don Noble. You can go to www.pureheart.today and listen to this podcast again. You can download the iHeartRadio app and listen to Pure Heart Ministries podcast. And you can write me as I wait patiently for those of you to write me. Dawn, D-A-W-N, at pureheart.today. That's all lowercase letters, all one word. Please consider helping to support this ministry financially. You can send a check to Pure Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 85, Valley Grove, West Virginia, 26060. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for praying for this ministry. I look forward to being with you again next week. This is Don Noble saying, Shalom, Shalom. Peace be unto you.